Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. The power of inclusive marketing. That's what we're exploring today with Lauren Carnell, Vice President of Marketing at the Memphis Grizzlies, and Molly Ford, Vice President of Global Talent Brand Marketing here at Salesforce. I sat down with them at Connections, the Salesforce Digital Marketing and Commerce event of the year that took place in Chicago in June. We had lots of incredible speakers this year, including Sarah Franklin, President and CMO of Salesforce, Adam Michaels, Chief Digital Officer for Crocs, and Dwayne Wade, the NBA champion, entrepreneur, and philanthropist, and many other inspiring industry leaders. And for the next three episodes, you'll be hearing my conversations recorded at the event. So let's get into it. Here's Lauren Carnell, Vice President, Marketing at the Memphis Grizzlies, and Molly Ford, Vice President, Global Talent Brand Marketing here at Salesforce. Welcome to the show, Lauren and Molly. Thank you. And Molly, good to see you. You as well. Thank you so much. Well, we're here in Chicago at the Connections Conference in person. We're sitting around a table. This is this is amazing. It's great to be here with everybody. IRL, right? In real life. <laughs> we are IRL right now. So, Lauren, maybe you can start off by telling me sort of what's at the core of Grizzlies, what the organization is all about. The organization is really... I mean, it's first and foremost about the Grizzlies. Like, let's be real. But, you know, the the fans, the city, the spirit of what this basketball team can do for Memphis and does do for Memphis, it is, you know, the, during season and especially during playoffs is kind of the heart and the soul of what's going on. It's not a what are you doing tonight? It's where are you watching the game tonight uh, situation. And, you know, everyone wants in on the action. So that's fantastic to see. You know, at the same time, working for the the organization, it's not just a basketball game. It's what basketball can do for, you know, the different entities that that thrive and survive within the city. So a lot of philanthropic giving back, mentoring is huge for us. Um, and getting the um, the kids involved early on, understanding what it means to be dedicated to something. Our community and foundation team does a fabulous job of taking it off the court and into the city and the community. I love the way you talked about that because the team means so so much more than what's actually on the court, right? What do they mean for the city? What do they mean for folks that are engaged and getting involved? Um, I really love that. And then at Salesforce, when we think about values-driven company and culture, at the beginning of each year, our executives stand up and they evangelize, what's the company uh, values? And I love that it's democratized, right? They say, here's what we think, what do you think? And employees can weigh in and then we stack rank. And every employee can tell you that our our values are trust, customer success, innovation, equality, and newly this year we have a fifth, sustainability. And we understand that we have to be responsible stewards of the planet. But really what I love is it gives our employees a North Star, right? How should we behave? How do we act? Trust is number one. There's nothing more important than the trust of our employees, the trust of our customer data. And I love the way we are so intentional about those words, those rules, and how we, I wouldn't even call it rules, right? It's kind of the way you can govern yourselves. And so really excited about that. Yeah, it has a huge impact on decision-making that as you look at it, whatever individual decision you can say, is this going to be good for customer success? Is this building trust? You know, if, if I were to make this decision and it would have impacted me, would I still trust this company? So you can use the, the words and these very simple ideas 
to guide you on individual decisions. So very powerful. Yeah, I think that's that's extremely important. Um, a lot of what we do with our organization is is similar to that without necessarily being a spoken word. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily have these rally cries, but day to day, the collaboration, the standing over the cubes and throwing the basketball at one another while discussing what's mm-hmm. going to come up next. And then, you know, if somebody's out or somebody needs something, or we've all been through um, protocol recently, unfortunately, picking up the slack, you know, somebody's out and everyone else is coming together to fill in that gap there. It's so interesting how we're working for a basketball team and we're a basketball organization, um, but the, the the sort of sport of work life, right, where the teamwork is so apparent, it just, to your point, off the court and maybe a different different organization, but similarly, the teamwork involved there is undeniably apparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved your answer earlier when you started talking about, you know, a tryout, a job interview, right? And the teamwork, the collaboration. And that's how I think about it, right? Like our values are one thing, but we have something in common at Salesforce and the Grizzlies. We want to win. That's right. Right? We want to win. Salesforce (laughs) wants to win. We want to win customers, right? We want to win. And I think there's something in that spirit that I think permeates company culture that is the values, you know, your North Star, And then you're like, hey, we have a winning attitude. How do we win? That's right. Mm -hmm. For us, it's customer success, right? For you, it's actually winning, right? right? Right. It's like we actually have to win on the road. We have a few (laughs) ticket sales in there as well. There you go. go. As we do too. Right. Well, let's shift into a little bit about the work that you're doing, the marketing work that you're doing to build an audience. I think this takes on so many different dimensions of how you think about it around the messages and the channels and how you reach that audience that's changing so much now with so many different mediums and platforms and ways to do that. So tell me a little bit about from the marketing perspective for the Grizzlies, how you're reaching this audience. So we get to spend time with our customer, with our fan base a couple times a week. I mean, home games are the best live survey, Mm -hmm. the best experiment to be able to just understand what the fan is looking for. We also have social media, which provides us every piece of feedback we never wanted to hear. Um, So it's just this constant gathering of data in the form of of understanding who our customer is on paper or them, you know, requesting to be heard from, but then also literally sitting in the middle of 18,000 of them and experiencing it. So it's constantly having our head on a swivel, collecting all of the information, and then reacting. It's every day going back in, regrouping and reacting to what happened the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's ever-changing, ever-evolving, and you know we're, we're on our toes. Mm-hmm. And how do you determine messaging when you think about the language you're using, the how you reach that audience? How, how do you think about that? It's personalization, really. So understanding who our customer is, and personalizing the message to them with the data that we have captured. It's being one with our fan base and our community. If we come out, and I I think this goes without saying, but I'll say it, sounding like a corporate organization speaking to the masses, that falls on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. Um, If we listen, if we react, if we personalize, that's where we start to build that trust that Molly was talking about, that camaraderie, that relationship. And just because we are 
I'll say big bad marketing. I don't know why marketing got this negative, um, you know, connotation, but marketing today has changed so much where now it's more conversational. It's meeting people where they want to be met and serving them the things that they want to actually hear about. Mm -hmm. So if we're doing our job correctly, we're resonating with our fan base, with our customer, and we're serving them the things that they want to be served when they want to be served it, how they want to be served it. Mm -hmm. Molly, how are you thinking about this? Because you're creating a message to reach an audience to try to bring people to Salesforce. How do you think about it? I think about it very similarly, right? And I love the way you said meet folks where they are. Um, We first try to evangelize Salesforce as the best place to work and let you know about our culture and who we are. The next thing we believe in is access to our employees. Right, access to our employees to understand their um, their journey to Salesforce, their growth opportunity, what's going on with them, and we have data that shows that folks are going to trust other employees better than they're going to trust our marketing narratives or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, anytime I can use our employees as the evangelists or the heroes, that's always important. And then we really find ourselves in a time right now that I'm sure the Grizzlies, you attract the folks that are a lot of fans of sports or of the team, where we're attracting people that are values driven. We're telling them that Salesforce is a platform for change. You can come here and do amazing things and and do jobs like work on sustainability cloud and and help the planet as part of your day job, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to appeal to those folks that will say, you know what, I want to go work for a company that makes me feel better about myself, right, Mm -hmm. and what I'm doing. So we're really trying to appeal to folks on that values-driven message. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the messages that are successful that that work for, for your goals, what have you found has, has been successful? What works? Using terminology or speaking the language that, that they want to be spoken to. Yeah. Um, I also think that if, if we're talking about um, customer segmentation, so we look to the customer and we understand who they are, have data on them, and then speak to them in different ways than we would to someone in a different age group or a different gender or different race, you know, there's all different ways to send a message. And we're really trying to personalize the best we possibly can mm-hmm. um, by collecting this data and then using it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, you know, when you were saying earlier about being authentic, I think one of the challenges for any content creators, which I hate that term already, <laughs> <laughs> but any of us who are trying to connect to other humans is to, you have to let it rip a little bit and be yourself and be authentic, but that introduces some level of risk. And I think everybody who works in marketing has had these situations where you want to pull back, you want to use very specific language, you're just, you're not quite being yourself, you're representing a company and many other things. So it's hard to do that, but what actually works is when you are very authentic, how do you manage that with your, with the creative work that you do? I'm going to go back to sports analogies here. As a boss, as a manager, right, it's sort of like being a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've learned that the best way to coach is to be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. Um, My team may or may not make fun of me for doing icebreakers and being a little bit hokey and a little bit silly sometimes, but it's who I am. And they get to laugh together with me and maybe at me occasionally. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I were trying to be somebody else, if I were trying to act differently, to your point, mm-hmm. um, then it wouldn't be authentic. And I think that that marketing in general 
is very similar to that. It's also taking risks. It feels uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um, occasionally to throw something out there that you may think is right, but you're not sure. Mm -hmm. Molly, in your role, when you're looking to attract talent and recruit, it's it's really critical that it be the messaging be exactly right and what it needs to be. But how do you still have it have that authenticity? Right. And I think that, you know, corporations don't have a lot of leniency, right, or room for error to get this wrong, right? right. And I'll tell you a funny thing we're looking at. I have, my team leads the at Salesforce Careers Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And we just did a whole analysis of, you know, what's performing well on our social media handles. Yeah. And we noticed it's the human stories. Right. We've been doing hashtag Salesforce Flex, show us how you flex, which basically means show us how you're working hybrid in the office at home. And it's the folks with their dog, the folks with their kids, somebody on the couch with their feet up. That is what's resonating with the public. Right. And that's what they're liking more. Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to say it has to be authentic. How do we get these employees to tell their stories and we amplify what they're doing? And so that's kind of taking the onus off of us. Right. Right. I love those social media handles that have personality and attitude and they're warring with a competitor. But is that really us at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, that's really a, a fine line we have to walk versus, hey, let's amplify what the employees are doing. Yeah. And I think this idea of setting up a framework where others can participate and we're the, the hosts of the of this party and whether it's employees or fans or whoever it is are are interacting I think that's a that's a great insight and makes it way more engaging yeah I think I'll add to that Molly that when fans provide feedback mm-hmm. and you prove that you've heard them that's the ultimate win right Absolutely. there um, because they are knowing that they're heard and that we care, but also, especially with our Grizzlies fans, they're like, that's me. I said that. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, and, and they feel honored, right? So whether it's just a call out on social media and ensuring that um, we're having that back and forth conversation with them on there or, you know, reacting to a request or something that came in from a loyalty perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's again, it's listening and then reacting and and letting them know that, that they mean something to us because they mean everything to us. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right, so now we know we need to reach this audience. We need to be authentic. We need to let the audience participate, listen, provide feedback, be a, a partner in that process, which all good stuff. But how do we accomplish that? How do we build the teams that are going to be able to do that and work in that way. So the second I got in there, I started to observe what are the dynamics of the team? Do they trust one another? Do they work together? Do they work in silos? Are there, you know, issues that need to be worked out? And that's really where we started. I didn't I didn't want to know what their resume looked like or their mm-hmm. skill set. I wanted to just understand the dynamics of the team. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a baseline and I'll pause there because I know Molly's going to have some insights from her. No, but I love that, that trust being at the core of everything, that trust, that team dynamic, that's trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we've all been there where we've made maybe not a great hire. <laughs> we've made great hires. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really hard to tell which way it's going to go. So I'm just curious how you both think about that. And are there any tips or tricks or things you're looking at where you feel like this is really going to be revealing to whether this uh, person's going to be successful or not? Molly, you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I do a couple of things where we're on this journey of, we call it inclusive hiring, right? So I want to make sure that everyone has the same opportunity um, and impact. So I actually write down a list of questions 
And I ask every single person those questions in some different, maybe generic way or modified a little bit. Mm -hmm. And some of these questions are the, you know, tell me how you would handle this, right? So I can understand their thought process and how they're thinking. Um, And then it's like just making sure there's a consistent process. And then I like to get conversational. What's important to them? What's their values? What drives them? What motivates them, right? So try to figure out what that is that you can dig into that. The other thing is, we do an interview or a panel or some sort of presentation. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I like to set up a problem that lets people go wherever they want, right? There's no wrong answer. Let us know what you're thinking, how you're going to do that. And that's a lot about how you perform. And it also gives you insight into our team culture, right? Mm-hmm. I call it stand and deliver. We're a big team presentation team. We get in front of leaders and do a presentation. I want to see how you handle that, how you approach that. What's your thought process? But I honestly, I wish I could tell you I had the secret bullet to how you hire mm-hmm. because I want to say I go with my gut. Yeah, My gut has done me wrong once or twice in my past. And so it's also making sure it's not just my decision, but a team decision. Right. Who are the business partners? Who are stakeholders like customers? And then we all get to interview a candidate. I've shared with them kind of not only the job description. Here's a couple of questions you should ask as well. What we're trying to get to in terms of core competencies of the role. Mm -hmm. And then once everyone puts their feedback into the system, Mm -hmm. then we get together and talk about it and say, what do you think? And then trying to make sure it's it's not like group think opinion. Oh, you didn't like them. I didn't like them either. No, we've already put our feedback into the uh, survey tool. Right, right. So, yeah. And I do think there's a lot of opportunity for innovation there. And so I'm, I'm curious, Ma, is there any, I know this is your area. Is there more stuff like that uh-huh. out there that people are thinking about? So at Salesforce, we've sampled and dabbled in a few of these things to like mitigate bias. And I think we actually have gotten to, you know, so we tried, tried blind resumes or don't just let the machine pick the candidate, that sort of thing Uh when you think about AI. And really, we decided um, in order to grow at scale and do what we're doing, we couldn't rely on cookie cutters, right? I think those kind of practices led us to say, have you been at an enterprise software company? Have you done these things? And we didn't get that human, hey, you're a lifelong athlete. You understand what it takes to win as a team. We notice those things don't come across when we're just doing those cookie-cutter processes. And again, they were well-intended to remove bias, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're at a point where we're saying there's an opportunity to look at the ideal salesperson as the core competencies necessary, not not just resume things, and we're calling it pivot to tech sales, right? Mm -hmm. If you can go door to door and sell medical, can you come sell at Salesforce? So we're really trying to look at how we could mitigate bias, plus make it sure so there's opportunity for folks to come into the industry. It is really hard today with all of the social media or, you know, LinkedIn availability out there to, to look somebody up and to dig into their past or at least just get to know them well beyond what we really should be knowing about them on a first or second interview. And I will say that that's something we and I try not to do too much of because, again, you're going to be influenced by something you may see without learning about the person that you're talking to interviewing. Um, I also really enjoy a phone screen first to just see how, do I. yes, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. jiving, right? And if you can chit chat, and, and I think Molly, you mentioned this, but that lets you know that this person is human, mm-hmm. can have a conversation, we can go back and forth, could be a good fit for the team morale and camaraderie. And then let's go from there and start taking it into um, other levels of interviewing. But 
it's that first initial, I don't see you. I sometimes, honestly, don't have the resume necessarily in front of me because I just want to hear them talk. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear what they have to say about themselves without me staring at a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on the skill side, thinking about that, what are some of the core skills that we're looking for? And this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, oh, I can build a Salesforce workflow because I think we can teach you how to do that for sure. But what are those core either soft or hard skills that, that, that you feel are really important for the work that you're trying to do, Lauren? Um, I think that it is, I just, I, I love a go-getter, someone who thinks of something and initiates, you know, even in an interview conversation where you um, ask a question and they take it to the next level or they, they ask another question back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the curiosity and the tenacity to want to do more and to get more involved. The hardest person on a, on a team dynamic for me is someone who we can't break into, who hides behind a computer screen or sits at, at their desk without, you know, collaborating. Mm-hmm. They may be fantastic at their skill set, but if they are not involved, it's hard to encourage them to move to the next level. It's hard to motivate them. It's hard to know where they have their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Even on one-on-one conversations or coaching, if they're not involved. Now, they don't have to be chatty. There's a difference between mm-hmm. being chatty and being involved or inventive or collaborative. So I think that those skill sets really come out when um, you're able to have that dynamic conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to build on that, Lauren, that whole, we don't need you to be chatty, mine is curious. Are they asking questions, right? Because some folks are not going to be an extrovert and speak up all the time, and that's okay, and we need those folks in the room as well. Mm-hmm. But mine is that curiosity. Are they asking those questions? Um, the other thing, and I love that you said collaboration, and my thing is how they adapt to change. I think that's a big thing, especially at a company like Salesforce. Things will change very quickly. How can they pivot? And my theory on that is like you can't dig your heels in, right? You got to figure out how to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. So if someone, you know, hands you a situation that may not be ideal, how do you then go with it and then go with it and then some, right? Mm-hmm. So I think those are a couple of things that I really try to look for, like people who can really adapt to change. And I think that recovery shows me resilience. It's interesting that you say adapt to change. And I think you're making me think a little bit here in this conversation because one of my other knee-jerk responses or reactions was it's really hard to manage the negative Nancy slash Nathan in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But occasionally, maybe it's that lack of adaptation to change versus negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Mm -hmm. once you get them out to, you know, an after-work event or something they're happy as can be... Potentially, it is the like I said the the lack of um, ability to to change. We have a funny sort of little uh, something we call internally the the fuzzy strawberry. Um, so mm. when a strawberry in a bushel of strawberries goes fuzzy, the strawberries around it start to go fuzzy, and Absolutely. then it's contaminated. Um, so we like to pluck the fuzzy strawberry out of the bushel and try to wash it off, maybe see if it's redeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk about the fr- fuzzy strawberry a lot internally, and I think it's a perfect analogy for somebody you maybe don't want on your team. 
I love that because on my team, I've been calling it, uh, we don't talk about Bruno, meaning like, well, we tried that and it didn't work in the old way we didn't. I said, no, that's Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> now I think I'm going to change that to fuzzy strawberry. There you go. It's Let's fuzzy catch strawberry. ourselves when we start being the fuzzy strawberry. You feel the fuzz creeping up your neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go take a shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a great one. So I wanted to ask Lauren, if you are building your dream team right now, which you are, I imagine, what, what does that team look like? So marketing with the Grizzlies is we're essentially um, an in-house agency where we are requested of many things from many different departments. And um, the team has to be pretty robust in our skill sets um, from marketing technology to advertising and media to creative departments. There's, there's a lot that goes on there. So the the dream team is actually probably dream four teams. Um, And (laughs) each of those teams starts with a great coach. So each team needs a really good leader, a really strong leader. And I'm very thankful that right now I have those. And and many of them are here with me at this conference. Um, But it's relying on them to then coach and teach and mentor um, those on their teams the the other thing that's very important for for me um, and for my team is to push them to want to push themselves to get promoted to to be their best selves, even dare I say it, if they find a different, better job outside of our organization, they are advancing their career. Mm-hmm. They are um, using their skill sets and they're learning and growing. All of that is sort of. A, a sprouting garden, right? That you want to see come up and out. So I know maybe I'm not answering specifically what do what do the exact roles look like, but that's really kind of the dynamic of the dream team that I'm hoping to build. I like the pride in which you talk about your team. It shows. It's a glow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to try to do a sports analogy myself. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> you know this is going to be bad, but I want to be a leader of leaders. Right. And I tell my direct reports that, you know, you you should be leading your team. You should be recommending to me. And I think it's like basketball. Right. A good coach prepares you. And then when you're out on the court, you can't go, hey, coach, what's the direction? Mm -hmm. You have to call the shot right there. And that's what I want to see from my team. And I want them to feel empowered that they're prepared and that I'm cheering them on from the sideline. But once they're in the game, they get to manifest, you know, and I think it's that preparation as a coach, as a leader, making sure they feel prepared. But once they get out there, you know, run the play, mm-hmm. do what you think is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I hope to, it's my dream team. I love that. Mm-hmm. So maybe the dream team is, a, is about letting it happen. And growing, growing yeah. them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I had a blast. And Molly, great to be here in person. Yes, always a pleasure. And thank you, Lauren. That was Lauren Carnell, Vice President of Marketing at the Memphis Grizzlies, and Molly Ford, Vice President of Global Talent Brand Marketing here at Salesforce, about how to build your dream team. It was recorded last month at our annual Connections Conference. You can still experience the best of connections with Salesforce Plus, our free streaming service, 
Lots of great content there that can help you skill up your teams, deliver powerful new customer experiences, and access the full potential of the Salesforce Customer 360. Thanks for listening today. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios.